If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Limbit Opic on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Greetings wherever you are in the world. It's Lembert Opic here again for three hours of news, views and comment from the worlds of politics, society and culture. Uh, in the show today, I have a fascinating guest coming up shortly, a man who would be king in uh, the London area, or to be precise, who wants to be mayor of London. It's probably the most powerful mayoral role anywhere in the world. Why would anyone want that job? Uh, what would he do? And what does he make? of the current antics in Westminster, especially with regard to transport. We'll find all that out from Howard Cox, who's been making quite an impression in the polls and also in the media in the UK. Uh, we've got a comedian later on as well, uh, Ali Roberts. Uh, she'll be explaining why she's proud to be a stone in the shoe of the establishment. I think that's her phrase. I love it. Uh, let's see what she's like uh, when she gives her unique and fairly amusing take on the affairs of the day. Then we go to the United States of America. John Fine, a political commentator, uh, will give us the latest on what I find an, in an intriguing situation where somebody who could be put behind bars, Donald Trump, could also be running the country from there. Uh, Donald Trump seems to be unsinkable in his efforts uh, to become the Republican candidate uh, to stand against uh, the aged Joe Biden. Uh, John Fine will be able to give us the American perspective on the phenomenon known as Donald Trump. And of course, I welcome your views as well. If you want to share, uh, then do go to our website and put your chat comments in there as much as I can. When I've got time, uh, I'll read them out too. And put your questions to my guests. As always, I want to highlight a couple of things before we get to my first guest. Two in particular, David Cameron is the Foreign Secretary for the United Kingdom. Now, if you haven't heard of David Cameron, you must have missed about a decade of British politics because he used to be the prime minister. What a strange thing Rishi Sunak, the current prime minister, did by employing his predecessor potentially to outshine him. <laughs> Whether you like David Cameron or not, he was successful at being the prime minister for quite a long time until he fell on his own sword for choosing to have a referendum on Brexit, the departure of the United Kingdom from Europe, and then losing it. Yes, nice work there, David. <laughs> he wandered around for a while, getting extremely rich, I'm sure, before being turned into a member of the House of Lords in a mere 24 hours. Now he speaks about foreign affairs on behalf of Rishi Sunak and the country. Uh, the particular story I've noticed for the weekend is his justification of the military intervention in the increasingly unstable, in my view, situation in the Middle East, uh, where the United Kingdom has joined forces with the United States of America to attack the Houthi rebels, as they're called, uh, because they've been making a nuisance of themselves on the high seas when it comes to commercial traffic. But what I really find interesting here is the fact that we've essentially got two prime ministers, Rishi Sunak, uh, who's often regarded as a mid middle manager, and David Cameron, who, whether you like him or not, did make some kind of an impression on the world stage. What I'm wondering is whether the decision to have David Cameron back in the cabinet was a smart one for Rishi, or will it, whether it simply makes him look even more like a middle manager. I wonder what you think. Let me know on our website. Happy to put your questions to our political uh, uh, commentators as well, including Howard Cox in a few minutes' time. And then there's another one, which is very relevant to our guest, smart motorways. 
they're anything but smart, according to a number of people. Uh, there's a lady who was severely injured, uh, Anna uh, Burgess, uh, because she broke down uh, on one of what used to be the hard shoulders. That was a spare lane which ran all along Britain's motorways uh, and where you could pull up if your vehicle went wrong. Well, those have now been turned into active lanes, smart lanes, if you like. Well, she was rear-ended by a vehicle and nearly lost her life. What on earth are our transport gurus thinking by taking away the safety lines on roads where people drive at 70 miles per hour, indeed, probably 80 miles per hour a lot of the time as well? Uh, is this simply because our civil servants and our politicians have lost their way? They no longer understand how to run this country properly. I want to know your views. Do you feel safe in a smart motorway? What do you feel about the idea of having no what's called a hard shoulder to pull up on if you get a flat tire, if you're taken ill, if your car breaks down? This perhaps is a grim portent of the way that our meddling politicians are desperately looking for ways to make themselves relevant when a majority of the people in this country haven't got any faith in them at all. I wonder what you think should happen, not just with smart motorways, but with our political system as a whole. Maybe they've forgotten that they are there to serve us rather than to run us, to govern us. Let's remember, it's the taxpayer that pays the wages of these people. Perhaps they should be a little more cognizant of what the people that they serve actually want. All of that and your comments too in the next three hours. Looking forward to having some great commentary from my guests as well. I won't give them a necessarily hard time, but I'll ask the questions I think you want me to ask. All of that with me on the Lambeth OPIC show right here on TNT. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Greetings, one and all. Thanks for your patience. The miracle of live broadcasting sometimes throws a curveball. We're back and we're fine. Best of all, we've got a fantastic guest now on the Lempitopic Show. It's Howard Cox, a man who'd like to be the mayor of London. Good day to you, Howard. How are you doing? I'm fine, Lem. It's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. 
it's great to see you and may i first start by congratulating you on being probably the most uh bolshy candidate i've ever seen for mayor of london uh, let's start with this uh obvious question to me you've been running a group called fair fuel uk for many years and very successfully indeed you're attributed as being the most successful lobbyist in the united kingdom uh and don't be modest for what reason are you given that accolade well, it's you see, I'm not a politician like you. You were Lembit, and I followed your illustrious steps. Um, no, the the thing, what's happened is that in 2010, I was doing some consultancy work, marketing consultant, communication work for small businesses, and I uh, I was working for a haulage company that had about 50 trucks, and those um, and I was one day having a cup of tea with the uh, MD of the company, and I I noticed he had a spreadsheet and showing the cost of a fuel for his uh, uh, company and it's something like 42 percent of his costs and bear in mind he had 50 star 50 trucks uh 42 percent of his cost was fuel and of which 70 percent was going to the government in tax so not only was he paying corporation tax uh, national insurance income tax you name it council tax you know you name it the whole thing he was paying 70 percent of what he was filling into into his uh, uh trucks to, to the government and that obviously uh, was passed on to customers us uh, people like us so inflation was high all those sort of things i said well why don't we set up a campaign with it and so i brought together the road haulage association the freight transport association which has been remain re renamed logistics uk um together and for for something like 12 years with them they backed me to fight a campaign and we managed to freeze fuel duty in that time in fact it's frozen still till now and in fact we've had a 6p cut in fuel duty Fuel and diesel would have been about 40 to 50 percent more uh, filling up a, a, everyone's car listening to this uh, 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 channel will realise that they would have to be paying 40 to 50 percent more to fill up their fuel tanks if it wasn't for this campaign. So I'm quite proud to do that. And I have got a lot of respect from uh, both the media and above all the politicians. You must have saved the British drivers and road haulage uh, people billions of pounds across the years well, maybe even hundreds well, of billions of pounds well when golden brown went and uh, was in and you know david cameron won in uh, 2010 you mentioned uh, david cameron earlier uh, i know him quite well uh, but golden brown was in there he was going to introduce a fuel price escalator that every single year uh, pump prices will go up by about three percent uh basically inflation plus a penny or something like that and if you work that out over if it had carried on and to be fair the tories were not going to remove that uh, particular escalator they were going to go ahead with it uh, if it wasn't for our campaigning but if they that escalator remain in place pump prices would have been 40 to 50 percent more now and imagine what that would have done to our uh, uh, already a, a you know beleaguered economy uh, inflation would be uh, rocketing and everything to do with the uh, uh, inflation almost uh, probably half of the inflationary effect is usually down to transport costs and fuel costs and so, yes, it, it, we estimate about two hundred billion pounds has been uh, uh, saved in terms of planned tax rises. So, yeah, very proud of that. You must be rich. <laughs> That's when <laughs> a lot of people think that it's uh, uh, it's down to the fact I've managed to secure get one point seven million supporters uh, on board, and they're the ones that should be taking the accolades really because they're the ones that lobbied their MPs. Uh, on a regular basis and we have something like two and a half thousand fairfield uk supporters in every constituency 
So uh, it's amazing now we're coming up into general election year. The number of MPs contacting me and saying how wonderfully they are supportive of motorists because they have marginal seats of less than two and a half thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not rich, you should be. But maybe that is why you're motivated to stand for the mayor of London. What's behind that? It's quite a career change, isn't it, Hamid? Well, career, at my age, I'm 70 this year, Lenbit, so I should be, as someone said to me in the media yesterday, I should be uh, actually, you know, mowing the lawns and doing, you know, tending my hot plants. Um, no, the, what's happened is that uh, I, I, I met Richard Tice, who's head of the Reform UK party, and a certain person that people probably have heard of called Nigel Farage. Mm. Uh, I, I've known Nigel for eight years because he was one of the first of the parties uh, in UKIP in 2015 that put into their manifesto election uh, they were cut fuel duty by 20p and of course i'm gonna back that that that's the massive at the time all we heard from the tories was something along the lines yes we're we're trying to keep it frozen but nothing more anyway richard tice uh, called me and said how how would you like to stand for our london mayor and i said what well, why me and he said well you're you made the point about being one of the most successful lobbyists even the guardian admits that and um uh, and that's Richard, just to explain for international uh, 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 viewers, uh, The Guardian is a left leaning newspaper that doesn't tend to be very sympathetic to people like Howard. <laughs> or, or, or motorists. They believe motorists and it should be off the road and it should be populated by cyclists. Um, what we're, we're seeing at the moment, Richard said, look, uh, we'd love you to do it. It took me three months to say yes. Um, it, I, I sat down with my wife and said, should I be doing this? or not and um, and i was worried about fairfield uk being impacted on it and it hasn't if anything it's grown even more in terms of the number of supporters because of this because the politics in the uk the the climate of politics and sorry to use that word climate the climate of politics in this country um is actually so volatile and aimlessly being pursued by a government that's lost its way and i voted conservative for 50 years and uh, for me to move from the conservatives reform uk which you know, the Conservatives are just simply Tory in name only, not Tory in act deeds. And uh, Reform UK uh, uh, fit, in my opinion, my Thatcherite leaning. So, yes, that's that's the where we're going with it. And I've decided to stand. And what the biggest reason, of course, is that ULES, the, the ultra low emission zone um, in London, has been expanded to uh, cover nine million people in Greater London, right around to the uh, orbital motorway called the M25. Um, and, and for, for no reason at all. It's supposedly, according to the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, it is to save lives, save children, all that sort of thing. Well, he's very economical with the truth and he manipulates data and scientific evidence to suit his uh, green agenda. Uh, there will be no demonstrable difference to the air quality we breathe, but what will happen, it'll hit people in the pocket hard, particularly small businesses. Uh, you know, you And I'm the only candidate has proven that uh, using some very senior independent economic analysis, that uh, the GDP of London, the economy of London, uh, will be is reducing one billion pounds a year because of you, Liz. Go figure, Lambert. This ultra low emission zone, as far as I can see, doesn't save lives at all. It looks to me like what we would call a virtue signalling act by Sadiq Khan, the Labour Mayor of London. And what I'm wondering is why Sadiq Khan gets away with claiming this is going to save thousands of lives, or at least implying it when there doesn't seem to be a scrap of scientific evidence. And indeed, the educational institution that he used to prove it contradicted, contradicted itself because one of the other departments said there was even a negligible reduction in emissions. 
Absolutely right, Lambert. And the, the point is, and, and this is the reason why I'm standing is because normally my instincts would be I'd, I'd support the Tory candidate, but I can't. That Tory candidate is standing for, uh, uh, been standing, or oh, sorry, he's, uh, in opposition for eight years nearly and has done nothing to prevent the, the mass carnage. Sorry, I'm using that word, uh, the Saudi carnage um, <laughs> uh, that we've seen. Uh, and it's very, very sad uh, that, you know, that she is standing, a woman called Susan Hall, I've got a lot of respect for, but I'm afraid she's more like a parish councillor than, and she's been in opposition, good rhetoric, but no actions. And one of the things that could have happened, the Tories could have done in opposition, is use the law courts. Though, you know, he has been proven to manipulate uh, public consultation agreements, you know, to, uh, regarding the EU-less expansion. He's manipulated data, and he's also asked... Uh, you know, you, you mentioned it's Imperial College, the academics there, to change the, the results of their studies to show that it does, in fact, help uh, uh, improve the air quality of breathe. But they were telling, no, it doesn't. And even his own TFL have shown it wouldn't make any difference. What yeah, I saw... for... so Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say... Uh, what, what, people... what I was going to say, I will talk over you because you just reminded me of something. I saw a leak which implied that Khan's people had contacted the education establishment they'd commissioned to do the research to tell them to modify their results or their commentary to say that ULES was working. Is that right? It's absolutely right. It was his deputy mayor, Shirley Rodriguez, who uh, who actually contacted them, and it was obviously under the mayor's instruction. Uh, what Imperial College came back and said, there was no change, no impact whatsoever regarding ULES on the air we breathe, the quality of the air we breathe. And it didn't fit in with their uh, their agenda, their, as you called it, the virtual signalling agenda. Because um, they obviously, one of the things people have also got to understand is uh, London is in massive debt. It's huge debt. It's a massive black hole of debt into the double digit billions. I, I, I see figures from 12 to 18 billion of a black hole of debt. And therefore, he's, the only way he he feels he can actually raise money, because the government are not helping him too much either, central government, um, and, and why should they, um, uh, uh, he is to actually hit the motorists. It's an easy cash cow target. But the Tories shouldn't sit back and think they're, you know, that they're, you know, they're good at this because they've been hitting the motorists for years and years and years. We're still the highest tax drivers in the world. Well, how did we get here? Because... As I recall, Sadiq Khan had to do a consultation before he expanded this ultra-low emission zone, and the majority of respondents said they didn't want it, but he carried on regardless. What was the point of well, the consultation? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, we do find this in a lot of areas, particularly in local authorities across the country, public consultations, and then they come out against what the uh, council want to do, in this case, Sadiq Khan's uh, London Assembly. Um, what happened there in the public consultation, two out of three said no. And one of the things, that, again, as to say, the opposition uh, um, Conservatives uh, candidate standing for London mayor could have taken him to court because he manipulated that public consultation. 5,000 of my supporters of Fairfield UK took part in that public consultation agreement in London. And they all said they didn't want to extend the the, uh, the ULES extension, uh, the expansion. Um, and uh, he actually counted that 5,000 as one vote. And one I just find, yes, just as one. And yet a similar group, a cycling group, who actually uh, was in support of the expansion, were counted. I think there was 4,000 in that group, and that was counted as 4,000 votes. Now, isn't but he that still elite? lost the consult, but, in the, but he still had a majority against it, despite all of that. He, yeah, 
despite all you're absolutely right Lambert and uh, and that's the point of what's so sad about it is no one is challenging on that in the courts I mean if I'd been I've got not I've tried to challenge him I've actually written letters and I've tried to get people and I've got loads of support to do that but you know as you know fighting the courts is expensive and getting money to do that sort of thing we're looking into hundreds of thousands of pounds to fight that sort of thing but the conservative opposition who are sitting there opposite him asking questions in his mayoral question time all very great words you know you're terrible you shouldn't be doing this they do nothing in that terms of action and that's why i'm standing it's it, it, although for those people who don't live in london it might not have a direct impact it seems to me like a salutary lesson on how this country is misgoverned uh, and let's remember the labor party want to be the government well if sadiq khan's doing this now is it too much of a stretch to fear what Keir starmer might do if he became prime minister it's an interesting person, Sakir Starmer. I have a, I have a sort of an admiration for him in, in many respects, and that may come as a surprise to a lot of people. But I've, I've spoken to him a couple of times in, in uh, Port Cullis House, which is it, it, it's the annex to Westminster, the House of Commons, where the MPs have offices. And I've bumped into him many times. I've said to him, how can you allow the Mayor of London to bring the proud Labour Party, traditional Labour Party, down with lies, and the manipulations of things like uh, public consultations agreements, uh, manipulations of data, uh, issues, you know, even the advertising standards authority uh, criticised him for actually publishing uh, something in an advert to say uh, NOx, nitrogen dioxide and particulates have fallen, all those sorts of things. And he, he said to me, you know, this is our next prime minister, almost 99% a shoe in at the moment, uh, has told me, oh, well, he's good for me and my votes in London. Well, I'm sorry, he's going to be for a, a real shock because the uh, certainly he may be useful in certain areas where there's a lot of ethnicity uh, combinations, and I, I, I respect that's not a problem. But in terms of the shires of London, leading out to the M25, the Bromleys and Croydons and places like those, those sorts of places will not be voting for Sadiq Khan. And you're right to actually the portents of Labour authorities across the country. You'll find most of the clean air zones and the charging of motorists are under Labour authorities. Uh, I'll come to the, the wider political situation when it comes to transport in a short while, but I want to ask you this question. Uh, I was speaking to Conservatives during the week, and they say that because you tend to be regarded as a right-leaning candidate, you're <laughs> splitting the vote. You're making it less likely that you or the Conservative will win, and more likely that Sadiq Khan will win because you're splitting the opposition. How do you respond to that? Well, it takes two to split, and uh, and and those those two splits are myself and Susan Hall, the Conservatives, and I welcome her dropping out to let me have a clear run at this. I've got no problem with that whatsoever, and I'm happy to give her a job, you know, it, it, you know uh, in in the assembly that I'll be running. No, you're right to ask that question, but we can't go on any further because we can't keep running around this Tweedledee, Tweedledum form of politics. What either red or blue is on the on the rosette. It's time for real change. And if you believe in the issues, and when I, I've been presenting all around London at various things, various uh, presentations, etc., and I get that same question, I, well, I, I am splitting the anti-calm vote. I simply say, okay, forget about who I am. Let's look at the issues. And I tell them what I'm standing for. I'm going to get rid of all you, Les. All low traffic neighbourhoods, all 20 mile an hour zones, all speed bumps, all of the truck size uh, cycle lanes, etc. All those floating bus points. And I noticed she, Susan Hall's come out with uh, saying she's getting rid of that today. Well, it's funny how she's copying most of my policies now because they're populist. I'm also going to triple the number of bobbies on the beat. 
I'm going to make a, a much more affordable housing on TFL land, etc. There's loads of things I'm doing that positive. When I say that to these people, I say, oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, I'm, I think I'll vote for you. So forget the labels. Look at the issues and what's going to be achieved. Because at the moment, London, and I, I mentioned earlier, a billion pounds is being lost in terms of the economy every year due, due to ULES. And, we, and, and London is getting into more and more debt. And we need to get yeah. it motoring. Well, in a, after the break, I want to ask you about the relationship between transport policy and, and environmental policy. Another impenetrable act of illogical virtue signaling as far as i can see uh if you've got views uh, go to our website uh, if you've got questions if you've got time i'll put them to howard cox you're listening to the lembertopic show here on tnt de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective what is tnt about well it seems to be in line with what i try to be about telling the truth the truth is very very important let's put it this way the pursuit of the truth is very, very important. So if you hide the truth, distort the truth, look at things at only one angle so you don't see the other angles, how can you possibly get to the solution? What is truth? Well, water freezes at 32, the sun rises in the east. A new study that's coming out is claiming, once again, that the rapid rise of sea surface temperatures is being caused by man-made emissions. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're going to heat a pot of water, do you use a sun lamp, do you use a blow dryer, or do you use a stove? If the stove was turned off and then it was turned on, what do you think is going to happen to the pot of water? If you actually look at what's been going on with sea surface temperatures, they began to increase when there was an increase in underwater volcanic activity. Now, the solar scientists, and I'm very good friends with a lot of them, keep saying we're going into a grand solar minimum. Well, that may be fine, but the temperature keeps rising. Why would it keep rising? If you cannot attribute it to a natural driver, then it must be man-made. Do you believe it's man-made? Well, why would something like the atmosphere warm up the ocean when the ocean has more energy? So we're pursuing the truth here. I may not be right, I believe I'm right, but believing it's knowing are two different things, but you have to be in pursuit of the truth. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Lembitopic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lembitopic Show. I'm with Howard Cox, the man who would be the mayor of London uh, for Reform UK, a right-leaning uh, movement, uh, which uh, uh, has, it seems to me, been doing quite well in the polls. In fact, they've gone to third place in at least one poll ahead of the uh, my old party, the Liberal Democrats, who seem to be floundering a little bit. Howard, uh, thanks for still being on the show. We've just been listening there to an analysis of uh, human-caused climate change. I'm on record repeatedly saying, I don't believe it. I'm sure that human beings make a difference to the climate, but I don't believe it's measurable. Where do you stand on this? Well, it's very simple, Lemba. I Obviously, um, I think I've spoken to you many times on this before. We're very similar, we're similar wavelength. I, we need to actually make sure we do try and use cleaner fuels. I'm all for that technology. I've got no problem with cleaner fuels technology and uh, to lower our emissions and, and most importantly, reduce our pollution. Uh, but that, I'm talking about pollution like plastics in the sea and things like that. What we 
you know, here in the UK, we're responsible for about 1% of the emissions worldwide. And yet we're going to be impoverished by a net zero uh, target by this government. And uh, in fact, all the two major governments are actually wedded to this policy. Um, and we're going to be impoverished by that. People, uh, you know, something like in the region of £3,000 per household per year will impact on us as we move closer to net zero. And that's coming not from me, from, but from the CEBR. Um, and all I'm saying is that, yes, we all share the same dream of breathing clean air. And, but, you know, considering where I'm standing for London Mayor, it is in the top 10 cleanest cities in the world. Why do we need to keep hitting people in the pocket? And that's what I get fed up with. And most people get fed up. The, the knee jerk reaction is to actually do anything regarding the climate change that's uh, allegedly happened and caused by uh, human beings is to hit people in the pocket. There's no, well, let's rely on technology and working together to actually improve these things. And I'm, I'm afraid I still believe in things like we should frack, we should be self-sufficient in terms of actually our energy supply in the UK, because at the moment all we're doing is importing energy, which is uh, from over from, from nations that actually do not follow our so-called net zero targets. Um, even, you know, we, we import oil all the way for, and, and gas from the States in uh, tankers that are powered by diesel engines. You know, you couldn't write it, could you? Invent it. But the thing that strikes me is quite peculiar here is this. We keep being told there's a climate emergency. And yet, when these people demonstrate, people like Emma Thompson, they're perfectly happy to fly across the world in an aeroplane to join a demonstration. Sadiq Khan was perfectly happy to take a whole team to the United States in an aeroplane. But we're told not to fly. It seems obvious to me that not only is there hypocrisy here, but there's total ignorance of the basic science. Because human beings, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant here, Howard. Human beings generate maybe 3.5% of what you might call the carbon dioxide budget. Nature produces the rest, over 96.5%. If human beings produced no carbon dioxide at all, I estimate, and I've talked to experts on this, that there would be one atom per million in the atmosphere less every eight years that's it yeah that's why do amazing. they get away with this rubbish well it, it's 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 a fashion isn't it it's a trend it's all sorts of things goes on they the celebrity side of things they jump on bandwagons and and, and i've been on many media channels in the last two or three years up against people who say we've got a climate change crisis i'm even accused by certain people that i i'm actually killing children because i support diesel and petrol cars and things like that and it, it's very sad and i i just don't understand where they're coming from and i always ask this question to them okay show us the data show us the real empirical data and they can't do it i i i'm a scientist by training and my background is biochemistry and pharmacology many moons ago because i'm in my 70th year now but um you know when I did that, I couldn't uh, publish any papers or do anything uh, uh, like that without empirical, peer-reviewed uh, evidence. And it seems that these people, and backed by billionaires, you know, there's the World Economic Fund, even WHO, the UN, are saying we've got this incredible existential threat through our lives. I'm sorry, I don't believe in any of that at the moment until I see the facts. And I'm telling you that CO2 is a good thing. And I hope I'd like to see it double from 0.04% to 0.08% and watch, then you watch Africa flourish. Tell me more about how you interact with government as a lobbyist. Well, it, it did in the first year in 2010, 2011, you know, we managed to get on board with one of the most brilliant MPs. Uh, and I, I just think he's the most amazing man possible. Is that uh, Robert Halfon MP. 
MP for Harlow in Essex in the UK. And he uh, saw the merits of what's happening in terms of actually how motorists are being used as cash cows. And he also saw them as votes as well, because if you got on the side of the motorists, there's 37 million of them in the UK. Um, I also got on board with 70 other MPs that time, simply by presenting the case. Uh, we had some very good objective evidence, economic evidence, why cutting fuel duty is good for the economy, good for investment, good for inflation, good for all those sorts of things. And they suddenly realise it. And the true Tories at that time uh, said, no doubt, yeah, we're back that. And that's how I got it. Um, and also, the most important thing, of course, as I said earlier, I've got uh, support out there in the constituencies from grassroots people, drivers who need their vehicles, uh, uh, you know, sole traders who need their vans, etc. To come there in the constituencies from grassroots people, drivers who need their vehicles, uh, uh, you know, sole traders who need their vans, etc. To contact their MP, and in many cases, MPs got something like two to three thousand emails in the space of forty-eight hours saying, "Please support Fairfield UK." And uh, that's how I did it, lobbying. And I did it without attacking or being rude or blocking or gluing myself to the roads or anything like that. We did it by honest, empirical, evidence-based campaigning. And I got a lot of respect. Plus, that uh, rebounded into the media itself, a lot of the national newspapers. Not the BBC, I'm afraid, because the BBC still hates the driver. Um, and, and from that point of view, um, I got a lot of support uh, on backbench MPs. Many of them now are in the cabinet. And I'm very close to people like I was invited. Um, I didn't solicit this interview, but with the Minister for Energy this week, the Minister of, of Net Zero too. So we had an interesting discussion about that. It's Claire Coutinho. And she's been saying some nice things about me in social media. She said, you've been incredible what you've done. I'm also close to the leader of the house, Penny Morden. She's also a big fan. Um, and I understand that uh, this is, you know, an exclusive to you guys here on TNT, that uh, the Prime Minister has, has asked um, various people to get me back into the Conservative fold. <laughs> but, Are you allowed uh, to I'm, tell us this? Are you allowed to tell us this? No. <laughs> so, you know, don't tell anyone, anyone listening, please. Um, no, I, I, it's not a problem. It's no secret that that's come out from other areas as well. And, you know, I've been contacted by the media about that particular point. I'm afraid I'm not going back to the Tories until they become a Conservative Party again. And you you alluded to the fact that Reform UK is a right-wing party. I hate these labels left and right. I believe it's common sense and what uh, popular uh, policies that Reform UK is standing on. You know, little things like, you know, increasing tax levels uh, in terms of when you first start paying tax from 12,500 to 20,000 makes sense to me in terms of actually putting more money in the pocket. That's what I'm trying to do in terms of reducing fuel duty, putting more money in people's pockets for consumer spending, which gets the economy motoring and puts more growth taxes into the exchequer as a result. Um, I don't know if you're willing to share this, but I once heard you tell a story about some sneaky business which made it seem like your house was a petrol station. Can you share that? <laughs> well, because obviously... Um, I, I think it would not take any uh, one with any any sort of a, a level of intelligence to recognise that I'm not popular with the Greens, I'm not popular with environmentalists, and I'm not popular with the cyclists. I still uh, get threats from them, and I've had death threats. I've had all sorts of things. I've had dog feces wrapped up in cycle gloves, put through the letterbox, and all that sort oh. of thing. But um, also, some clever wag decided to on Google Maps to actually designate my home house as a petrol station, and. <laughs> 
I did get thousands and thousands of calls. Um, in fact, there was a time when petrol supply and diesel supply was bad, and that's when they did it um, in the fuel supply chain. And I got phone calls. Oh, have you got any diesel? I got phone calls at 12 o'clock at night, uh, this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it's sad that, again, you, you made the point about the climate change, and I always ask for the evidence. These people only work on emotion and abuse and insults. They do not work on actually empirical data where we could all debate. I'm willing to be convinced, but I'm not convinced with the, what I've seen so far. Um, looking ahead, what are your prospects, honestly, in the mayoral election? It, it's, a, it's an Everest to climb. Um, there's no doubt about it, but I'm not going away. I've been asked to drop out and, um, you know, by certain um, Tory grandees and uh, I've been offered certain things and sorry, I don't respond to bribes. I'm going all the way. And um, I'm, I, I, if Saudi Khan gets in because I'm standing and Susan Hall's standing, we, we can't touch him. Um, I'm afraid that's you, you're voting. You, you choose to what you vote. Democracy is about issues. It shouldn't be about actually tactical voting. And I, I'm going to go all the way. So watch this space, Lembert. I think things will change. I think the, the approach, I'm moving up in the polls slowly but steadily. And as one of your colleagues said when I was on uh, TNT earlier this week, he said, yes, how it's good to be on the board, but Everest was climbed. All you need is a few Sherpa, Sherpas and an oxygen tank, and you could win this. And it was, he was very kind and supportive in that manner. Nigel Farage was in a reality television show, which is filmed in Australia, <laughs> near Brisbane. Uh, I'm a yeah. celebrity, get me out of here. Rumour has it that he's thinking of coming back into frontline politics. He's a broadcaster now. Can you tell us what he's planning to do? I, I had lunch with him last week and we had a good couple of hours chewing the cud of what he's doing, what I'm doing. He, he gave me some sage-like advice of what I'm doing because he is, uh, he is probably one of the most influential politicians of the last 20 years. Um, and he went into the jungle. Um, yes, everyone's talking about how much money he got, but fundamentally, his popularity has risen incredibly uh, as a result because he's a decent, honest guy. I and mean, I come back to the point. The people that are against him are, are, are scared of him. Um, and to answer your question, what's he going to do? Um, I have got an idea what he's going to do. But as he said to me beautifully, he said, timing, dear boy, timing. And that's what it's about. We don't know when the general election is actually going to be. We assume in, in autumn of this year. Uh, I've got a mayoral with one to run, and I'm hoping he's going to be helping me with that. And he tells me he is. But Nigel will be having an influence on what happens to our future of the, the politics in this country. I promise you that. Did he make a good... Uh, this is a general question, really, about politicians. Did he make a good decision to go into a celebrity television show, or was it damaging to his brand? I, when, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, dear. But then I watched him and how he did it. And I've never watched Celebrity. Uh, uh, the last time I watched it was when you were in it, Lembit. Uh, <laughs> 13 years ago. 14 years ago now. Was it 14 years? Well, crikey. Oh, I had started shaving then. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> no, Nigel Nigel explained it to me before he went in. And then when I saw him last week, uh, he, he looks trim, by the way. He's got, you know, he's lost a lot of weight because of it. And uh, um, But... Yeah, I think it's improved his brand, especially within people that didn't know anything about him. And I think that's the important thing. Um, and he's loving his broadcasting uh, on, on another channel, and he's, he's very good at it. Um, but, you know, he's, he's not letting go of things. Look at all he did with the banking scandal, the ones where, you know, you, you were cancelled if you had some political leaning or something. Uh, certain banks cancelled you, and he thought that, and he made massive difference to what happened on that recently. And he's looking at other things. He's, he's having a go at the moment of your old 
well, he's not your old boss. I mean, the current, uh, your your old party's boss, Ed Davey, regarding the post office mm. scandal over here. Uh, yeah. he, he's, yeah. he's always going to be around. Ed Davey, uh, the man who was in charge of the post office and refused to meet Mr. Bates, who's probably the leading campaigner. Ed Davey could have owned this. Instead, he hid from Parliament on Wednesday, it seems to me, by not showing up for PMQs. Um, and, he, and he's not man enough to simply say, look, sorry, I got this wrong. What can I do now? And I tell you what, that would come across so well, but I'm afraid he's really hit the Leb Dems uh, sort of uh, policy, potential chances of being getting any MPs really badly. And I think Reform UK will, will take over from them. And uh, are you enjoying your campaigning? It's it's an interesting time. It's very hard work for an old git like me. Sorry, I, is that a swear? <laughs> you can say that. Um, git's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> um, for an old git like accurate, me. accurate, but I it's think... acceptable. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, I'm working 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, I, but because I'm still running Fairfield UK and we've got a budget only in six weeks time on March the 2nd, where the chance is going to stand up and tell us and probably give loads of giveaways and everything to, in general election year. I'm trying to get a significant cut in fuel duty. I've got a lot of support, particularly from people like MPs like Jonathan Gullis, who's another one of these people. He's a Red Wall Seat MP from Stoke-on-Trent. And he's he's actually doing something uh, I'm doing with the, the Sun myself, Fairfield UK and him, we're putting together and we're going to call for a significant cut in fuel duty. So I'm doing that and I'm also campaigning for Mayor of London. So I'm busy beyond belief, Lembit. Sounds like you're enjoying it. I have to tell you, wild horses wouldn't drag me to stand right now again, uh, rather than you than me. I'm happy to pay my taxes so that you can be a good mayor. And you said you get rid of the whole of the ultra low emission zone and the congestion charge? Well, I, it's an interesting one. I, I, the congestion charge is on, my, is on my target radar to get rid of, but I need to look at the finances um, of, of what's going on in London. ULES I, is actually, I think, uh, contrary to what some of the figures coming out, is breaking even in terms of what comes in and what it costs. We're, I mean, study Khan is spending £150 million on security against... Thank you. Howard, thank you so much. Going to cut you off there. Really enjoyed the uh, the time with you. We'll have you back again. Uh, if you've got questions or comments, then feel free to put them into our chat. Uh, coming up next, we've got a live wire, a stone in the shoe of the establishment. All of that with me on the Lambert Big Show right here on TNT. Mm -hmm.